Christmas time. Uh, for some of you, you're like, oh no. Some of you are excited. Uh, I'm excited, and I hope, I hope that you're anticipating not only uh, this time we have together, but, but the Christmas service. Fellas at RCMU, can't wait to be with you. This would be awesome for Christmas and, and go to East and West. and It's going to be awesome that we all get to get together like we're going to get together. Uh, my, well, my guess is you might be like me where you have expectations for Christmas. Some of you, like your expectations are down here, and, uh, and some of you have them way high. And uh, oftentimes we have traditions. Perhaps Christmas decorating is one of your traditions where you do the same thing each year and you go about it in the same way. And have you ever done it where you go into a tradition and someone ruins it? There's a moment that doesn't play out the way you thought it should play out. And you're like, has all of Christmas now officially been ruined? Well, we had, we had trouble as a family putting our tree up this year. I'm not going to tell you much more than that because it was entirely, I believe, my fault. But, uh, but I thought, I wondered if other people had the same issue. And, and then I found other people have the same issue. Um, take a look at this. Sometimes it doesn't go our way, you know? Sometimes it's what's, what's, what's going on in here, right? right? What you're hoping will play out, what, what it looks like maybe in the movies or, or what it was like maybe growing up and you go about, you're like, this is going to be awesome, and it's not. And I think most of us are old enough now to say, you know what, it's not just Christmas that that happens. Most of us would admit that in life there's oftentimes days, months, years, times, News, and it's not going the way you want it to. Moments where all of a sudden you're facing a new reality. It's not what you planned. It's not what you hoped for. When you were in first grade and they asked you, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And how do you want it to play out? It's not what you wrote down then. And Christmas, does it not amplify some of our expectations? Oftentimes, Christmas, you and I come in with some pretty lofty expectations, pretty high hopes, and others of us are so broken because life's not been going well, we've already given up. So there's a question I have. What do we do when life doesn't go our way? I think, I think the Christmas story helps us with this. So here's all, all we're going to do. I don't know if you're new with us, new to church. You're like, what happens at this time when the guy gets up and talks, right? Uh, here's what we're going to do. For a few weeks, we're going to go after what do we do when life doesn't go our way. And the reason we're doing this is not because we all want to be depressed, okay? So some of us are like, I don't want to, where's the peace and the hope and the joy? We'll go there. But maybe, maybe in the midst of Christmas, you and I lose why Christmas even happened. And 
to tell you what happened at Christmas. I actually want to take you to a time way before Jesus. Let me show it to you in the Bible. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That sounds awesome. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. If you're new to the Bible, you're like, that sounds neat. It sounds like Jesus. Well, it is about Jesus before Jesus ever happened. It's about Jesus. It's what's called a prophecy. It's called a prophecy. In other words, where God said, here, here's what's going to happen. The writer's like, okay, writes it out, and it's a prophecy. I want you to catch the second half of this. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Now, here's what's cool. If you've ever read your Bible, you can go all the way to a place in the New Testament where Jesus goes to church. Yes, he went to church. He shows up at church. He sits down, and all of a sudden, they hand him the scroll. Typically, you and I have a Bible, whether it's a paper Bible or maybe it's on your phone. And now now it is different. They had scrolls for each book. They hand him a scroll. It's the book of Isaiah. He opens up the scroll. We weren't there. You weren't there. But can you imagine unraveling the scroll? And Jesus is, I don't know if he's kind of mumbling out loud, okay, I'm going to go here. And he lands, he lands. If you read this, you read this in the New Testament, right here. And he read this out loud and he said, it's fulfilled today. I'm here. You see, what's cool about Christmas is if you have a broken heart, If you have any heartache in your life, Christmas doesn't have to be something that makes it worse. It doesn't have to be where you get more heartache. Because according to Jesus, he came to fix our broken hearts. I don't know what has broken your heart. You're, You're human. I know that enough. And I know that you've had at some point something happen where your heart was hurt. It was damaged. Someone did something. Something happened. And we have these heartaches. Jesus came to fix our broken hearts. That's the peace stuff that we talk about. The joy stuff. The love stuff. But let me point out the reality. Many of us have unresolved heartache. And Christmas isn't so much that so excited for many of you you're walking through what we call firsts this will be your first Christmas without them this will be your first Christmas away and many of you this is not your first but it still feels like it is and I'm telling you at Christmas At Christmas, this needs to be a conversation. At Christmas, this needs to be something that we bring up. And let me tell you, I'm not, okay, I'm not a psychologist. Are we clear? Yes, we're clear on that. But let me tell you something I know. If you ignore what hurts, you will never stop hurting. And I know in South Dakota, we're like, strong, independent, I did not feel that. Kind of, I I get that. I know there's there's that vibe. I don't care where you live in this world. When you get hurt, it hurts. That's how it works. (laughs) And many of us are going through faking it. 
If I asked you to raise your hand and say, hey, who in here would like a church that isn't fake? I think most of it would be like, uh, uh-huh. So let's talk about the stuff that we often fake through. The stuff that we don't resolve. The stuff that creates issues. So here's, here's what we're going to talk about. Here's the three things. We're going to talk about loss. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about regret. At first you're like, then I'm not coming, right? I, I understand this. But, but we need to go after this. Because here's what I want to happen. Here's, here's what I want, for every single one of us to go into Christmas Day going, I'm better than I used to be. Jesus has healed my broken heart. You got it? But you, so we got to talk about it. We're going to have some fun. Don't worry. So let's go after loss. <laughs> You're like, no, no. <laughs> loss. Many of us right now are wrestling with it or have experienced it. I, oddly enough, I thought we should define it. I know that's weird, but I'll show you why. To lose is... To come to be without, to suffer the deprivation of. Here's why I wanted to define a word that you already know what the definition of. See, because here oftentimes, do we not, when we, when we lose, it's most of us at least out loud, not internally, but when we lose something, we're like, I'm cool, I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm being strong for everyone else. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. That's what we say out loud. That's what kind of, we, rarely nowadays, we, we feel like, we're like, well, actually, I am falling apart. Can we sit down and talk? We rarely do that. We, we begin to say, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. I, everything's fine. Because we don't want to divulge all of this pain, in particular this loss. Did you know the Christmas story? If you read it correctly at the beginning, is depressing. Full of loss. Full of it. And if you're like, no, it's not. I thought you might disagree with me. It's fine. I thought I'd show you. Let's get depressed together, huh? Huh? If you don't know the story, you got Joseph and Mary, two, two people. They're engaged. If you don't know how extreme engagement was in the old days, it was pretty much a legally binding like, agreement. You had to divorce from an engagement. There was not just, hey, here's the ring back. I'm not following you on Instagram anymore. We're done, right? It, it, was, it was a bit more than that. Well, Joseph finds out that his fiance is having a kid and it's not his. And oftentimes we read that and like, oh, that's so sweet. You realize that we're like, oh, but it's, but it's, but it's baby Jesus. Well, he didn't fully get that. So Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Sometimes we read over the fact that at the very beginning, before it even plays out really, Joseph was on his way out. And most of us would say at the beginning, based on the news that he had received, was like, yeah, you better be on your way out, right? Can we admit, at least in this moment, that Joseph probably has a broken heart if he's willing to break the engagement? That there's this loss that he's incurring, so much so that he's like, we're done, we're, it's forever over. And if you think, oh, that sounds bad, let's get to the positive stuff. Oh, there's a, there's a lot more. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. We read the Christmas story every year with our kids before they get to open up everything. It's torture, I love it. It's because what we had to do when I grew up. And this is how it starts. If you ever read this, typically you read from Luke chapter 2 on Christmas morning and you read this. And we read this at the beginning. We're like, that's no big deal. It's a huge deal. Joseph and Mary and Jesus lived as minorities in a very oppressed situation. The Roman Empire was not nice to them. 
overtax them, oppress them. They come into a situation where they have no voice. I'd call that a loss. And it keeps getting bad. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Many of us have nativity scenes and they're so precious because there was no lodging available for them. Now, most of us have gone here before. Yeah, that's not nice. Have you ever been to a hotel or a motel and you're like, this is disgusting and you left? (laughs) I have. Have you ever driven across South Dakota in the middle of the summer thinking you could rent a place? (laughs) No. You've got God going, hey, i got this special plan. So you're going to do this, it's going to be great. And he doesn't even provide him a room. You ever been mad at God for not providing you with something? Okay, now we're getting there. You ever been mad at God when he says, I want you to do this. So you're like, I'll do it. And it seems like he doesn't show up. I mean, most of us are not cool with having a baby in the back of a car. <laughs> How about with a bunch of animals around in an incredibly unsanitary environment? I'd call that a loss. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Hey, get up! <laughs> Flee. I know you just had a kid. No worries. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod's going to search for the child to kill him. Put yourself in the hospital. You just had a kid. Things are going awesome. Someone shows up and says, hey, you need to leave and leave now. Go out the back door. Your child's in danger. Are you starting to see the Christmas story just slightly differently? It's full of loss. It's amazing we often go through life and disregard other people's losses because we're so affected by ours, and I understand that. You think this is the end of it, but it's, it's not, actually. Um, Then Simeon blessed them. Here's what happened. They took Jesus to the church, basically, to have him dedicated. I don't know if you've ever had had that done. I don't know if we do that as a church. We dedicate the child. They go to have Jesus dedicated. Not baptized, dedicated. And the guy, Simeon, blessed him. He said, Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. And many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Oh, and by the way, and, and a sword will pierce your very soul. <laughs> Do you see how intense the Christmas story actually is? If you're currently brokenhearted going through loss, cozy up next to the Christmas story. I think there's something for us to learn. Don't avoid it. Now, I know some of us are like, all right, what you just pointed out, David, that's what's called life. (laughs) Everyone goes through stuff. Everyone goes through pain. Everyone goes through bad times. That's a part of it. That's where we get our character shaped, right? And so you got to go through it. It's okay. And, And I think many of us have just normalized pain, and we've just said, hey, it's cool. Just deal with it. Let me make another observation. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a human being that's encountered this. Even though pain is normal, healing is still critical. I know it's normal. Is that not interesting to you at all that all of us, all of us gathered, every one of us, have experienced some sort of pain? 
No, I know it looks like from the outside sometimes that people are like, boy, I wish I had their life. That sounds pretty, that looks amazing. No, every single person, including Jesus, including his parents, encounter pain and loss. And yes, it's normal, but you and I need to figure out how to heal from it. If you're still wondering what's the big deal, I thought I would go into the health world and find out how does unresolved loss affect us. Here's a short list. There was a lot longer list. We just don't have time. Loss of appetite. That sounds horrible to me. <laughs> Inability to concentrate. Sometimes like, I'm tired. No, you're not tired, really. You've got pain that you've not resolved. Inability to sleep. There you go. Add to that. Inability to maintain relationships. Are you perhaps someone who struggles even starting a romantic relationship, but then maintaining the relationship? It seems like they always fall apart and you're wondering, what's going on? Is it me? Is it them? Perhaps there's unresolved loss in your life and you don't know how to have a good, thriving relationship. It's not that you're bad. No. It's that there's some loss there that needs to be healed. Boiling anger. You ever met an angry person? Don't nudge anybody. That's, that's not going to help, but... Um, <laughs> Can, can we just have some sympathy just for a moment for angry people? You know why they're angry, right? Because they're hurt. And they didn't do something with that hurt. It didn't get fixed. It didn't get healed. Every angry person you ever meet, especially in a parking lot, especially in a parking lot, just know that that anger, what's underneath, is they were hurt. And new addictions, if you don't know that, Oftentimes in our pain, there's these moments that we latch on to something to kind of medicate. And we begin to go into a world of addiction that we did not expect. In fact, you know what this is telling us? I'll tell you, this is, let me summarize it. Unresolved loss can create new losses. If you're wondering why we're having this conversation, is I can't stop you from having another loss in life. But what I can tell you is if you don't resolve them, you're going you're gonna to create your own losses. And this is where it gets really personal for me. In 2008 and 2012, we welcomed in our family people, little people. Uh, Ellie, our, our middle child, our only girl, our princess, yes, she has me, and it's not good. Titus, our very, very surprised baby, and we welcomed into uh, our lives. I cannot imagine life without Ellie and Titus. When Hayden was born, it was incredible. I, I remember, he was our first kid, our oldest, he's our oldest, and I remember the whole process. I remember the whole pregnancy. I mean, I was reading book after book going, what in the world have we gotten ourselves into? What do we do? How? I, I'd never, sorry if, if you lose respect for me, I, I had never changed a diaper until I was in the hospital with Hayden, and I'm like, how's this work? I don't know how to do this. I remember the whole pregnancy. I remember it all. We had celebrated it. It was, it was a party. After Hayden was born, 
about a year later, we had a miscarriage. And in fact, we had multiple miscarriages. I remember one time being at the church that we were at in Kansas. Uh, it was in the evening, and, and, and Katie called me and said that we had just lost the baby. I didn't realize how connected I was to someone I had never met until that moment. I have never been more overwhelmed in my life when I watched how much my wife was hurting. I tell you that because here's what I did. When I learned that we were expecting who would eventually be Ellie and who would eventually be Titus, I was afraid that I would get hurt again, that I would have loss. So I ignored it. I cannot tell you even to this day much at all about the pregnancy of Ellie or Titus. I didn't ignore my wife. I ignored that we could possibly be having a kid because I was afraid of the pain that would come if we lost that kid. Perhaps you've done this before. Where the idea in your head is this. If I avoid the idea of potential pain, I can avoid the pain that could come. Most of us do this. So now I have to tell you that there's a little sense of regret. I can't tell you much about those pregnancy times. I want to celebrate them. I, I should have celebrated them. I was afraid of the loss. <laughs> and I refuse to live that way anymore. See, something interesting has occurred. I thought a picture might help you understand that number four is on the way. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, aren't you 95 years old? <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm not 95 years old. But I want you to know something. I've been celebrating I have been enjoying this process. By the way, ladies, I'd like to help you. Just, this, this is a gift. When a woman is pregnant, and you have that thing in your head, I'm going to go feel that woman's belly. Can we all just acknowledge right now that's weird? If you're not married to that person, you're welcome, ladies. It's just It's odd. We don't do it when they're not pregnant. Just, okay. But I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying it. I'm not lying to you. I'm not trying to be optimistic in front of you. Be like, you know what? It's all fine now. I'm enjoying it. And I thought we should have a conversation together as a church. How does a person go from ignoring potential pain to just embracing life and living it. How, how, how does that happen? And I think the Christmas story helps us. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. You know what else he said about this in particular? And I'll, I'll walk you into my world of what I've been learning from Jesus. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Perhaps you've never read this correctly. Let me help you read this. If you'd like that in life, you can't avoid that. If you want comfort in the midst of your loss, if it's not a loss now, but in the future, if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, this hurts, my heart hurts, what do I do? Do I just suppress it? Do I ignore it? Do I medicate it? What do I do? No, you mourn. And I would tell you as a pastor, because this is my world, in my opinion, I'm offering my opinion, I think we as Americans are some of the worst at mourning on planet Earth. We don't get it. We have bought into this idea that if we can't outwardly, we can't outwardly dis, like demonstrate, share, let it just come out. We, we can't, it's, we gotta, we gotta pack it in. Like, don't say it. Don't let people know you you should come across this weakness or like, when should I be over this? I I have people ask me all the time, when when should this not hurt anymore? And I have to tell them, it's probably always going to hurt. If you love that person or you love that job or you love that relationship, there's going to be a sting there. You don't try to forget it or suppress it. If you have a craving to live a life of peace. If you have a craving for God to get involved in your life where he can actually bless you as you mourn and you are comforted, then pay attention to the rest of this sermon. Here's the reality. Loss is unavoidable, but mourning is a choice. And this is why many of us choose not to If you don't know this, I can just tell you by observation, fewer and fewer people are going to funerals. Here's another one that might surprise you. Fewer and fewer people are even having funerals. I think it's because we are tricking ourselves that if we don't talk about it, if we don't look at it, if we ignore it, we won't feel it. But do you understand that you will feel it even worse and longer? So let me take you into my world of counseling. When I say that, it's not me counseling you. Katie and I recently went to a marriage retreat where we got to sit in front of a counselor. If you're like, oh no, what's going on with David and Katie? Nothing. We would just want to make sure we were healthy. If you're married, you should do this once in a while. And uh, we began to share some things, and out of that, we, we learned some awesome stuff, and I just want to pass it on to you in this world of if you want to actually live in peace, what do you do with your, with your pain, with your loss? You may not like what I'm about to tell you, okay? But just because you don't like it doesn't make it untrue. Step one, list your losses. I, I remember the, the leader of the retreat we were at, he brought this idea up, and I was like, that's neat. Might work for some of these other people that are with us, but you ever been there before? Maybe it's what I preach. You're like, I sure hope other people are listening to this sermon. He said, I want you to list your losses. And in fact, he said at the beginning of the week, and we kind of prepped us for a day that we would list our losses. I'm like, I'm like, all right. I mean, that sounds one depressing. Now watch, here's, here's the directions he gave us that I thought I would pass on to you just to mess with you a little bit. 
He's like, you need to categorize it. In fact, I want you to get different pieces of paper for every area of your life, starting at preschool. I was like, preschool? Okay, so I made a preschool page and an elementary page, a middle school one, a high school one, a college one. The college one was a little lengthy, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then, and then after college... I didn't think it would work. Sorry for the skepticism. So I went back into our room, made the pieces of paper, and began to list my losses. And I was surprised. Many of you right now are even refusing this whole concept. You're like, what in the world? Why would I do that? It's because you want peace. It's because you want to celebrate not just your life, but others. Would you like to know the ugly news that I have to share with you? That while Katie and I had seasons where we couldn't get pregnant, we had friends who did get pregnant, and I struggled celebrating with them. And often faked it. Because I had unresolved loss in my life. I don't want that for me, and I don't want it for you. So you have to list your losses. I I don't suggest that you do this immediately right now. (laughs) Uh, But that's your homework. Now what do you do with your your list? Some of you are like, blow it up, right? Well, Well, first, step two, lament your losses. Don't just write your losses out and then suppress it again. You following me on this? Don't don't just write it out and be all right, Pastor David said I'm good. Just had to let, no, 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 you need to lament them. And I wondered, I wondered if we know what lamenting means. So here's a definition. (laughs) A passionate expression of grief to God. Passionate. In other words, very honest, very direct, where you have your list and you talk to God about it. God, this happened and I don't like it. This hurts. Perhaps you even have questions of why he allowed it to happen. You can speak that to him too. Do you know that there's a whole book in the Bible about this stuff? Guess what it's called? Lamentations. We're like, I've heard of that book. <laughs> Here, I thought, I should just show you an example. Like, what, how do I lament? The Lord has treated my mighty men with contempt. Uh, okay, it's honest. At his command, a great army has come to crush my young warriors. This is obviously not positive, as we're hopefully seeing and understanding. The Lord, the Lord, has trampled his beloved city like grapes are trampled in a wine press. That's just, that's a little bit. You should read, well, don't read it if you're in a bad mood. It's not going to help. But it will help. It will help you and I understand that perhaps we have been grieving our losses incorrectly in an unhealthy way. And rather than share this message with you at a funeral, or perhaps when you and I might be one-on-one because your marriage has fallen apart, or perhaps because you've lost your job, is this not the best environment that we talk about this real stuff? The Christmas story says loss happens. Do you remember where we began? Let me remind you. He has sent me To comfort the brokenhearted. 
Do you know that Christmas can actually have real, not faked, real joy and peace this year? But you're going to have to, instead of trying to go around your pain, you have to go through it. Any other steps, make your list and lament your losses and lament it. But I want to have a moment with you. We're going to ask God to heal your broken heart. That's your, that's your first step. If Jesus launches this whole rescue mission that we would call Christmas leading all the way to Easter, if he came for our hearts, should we not ask him to heal our broken hearts? Should we not go to him, literally, spiritually, go to him and say, I hurt, I don't think I'm over this, I need your help, God, would you intervene and heal my broken heart? Because I don't think just the list and just the conversation with God where you lament them is all we need. We need to ask him to help heal our heart. So here's what we're going to do. I'm up, I want to pray. I want to pray for us, but I want to do it differently than we typically do this, okay? So I need you to listen to the details because this is very important. Here in a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, you don't have to, to come up front to the front of the stage and you can kneel down, treating it like an old-time altar. If you want to, you can stay where you're at. You can stand up. You can sit down. But I wanted to open up the front if that's what you need to do to come in front of God and say, God, would you heal my broken heart? And so, as I pray, we're going to sing a song afterwards and have a time together. There's no rush to this. You don't need to hurry. But I invite you as I pray, even as I pray, and during the song, to come up front and to have a conversation with God or to stand up or take whatever posture you'd like, okay? Here, would you bow your heads and close your eyes or come up front? God, I pray for all of us, whatever is going on or whatever has gone on or God, even those in the future that will encounter some experience of loss, of pain, of, of life just not going the way that really it should. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would heal our hearts. Whatever, whatever is being grieved, God, would you, would you actually do a supernatural miracle and address the regret and the shame, but even the loss, the lack of understanding, the lack of news and information. Perhaps even God, I imagine there's some of us who just disagree with what you allowed. God, would you address that? Would you heal? Would you heal our broken hearts? God, I honestly thank you for a Christmas story that is both beautiful and tragic. Thanks for not leaving the bad parts out. They really help us, God. So Lord, would you do something in our hearts in this time together and even the weeks to follow?
Thank you for meeting with us, God. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Well, we don't want you to leave this moment without being prayed for. If you feel like you need that in your life, we just want to encourage you. We're going to have people still here to pray with you. And if you made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, we would love to walk through that decision with you and what that next step looks like for you in your life. So if you would, on your way out, stop by the Next Steps area and someone will be there to talk through that next step with you. Well, hey, we love you guys. We hope you have a great week. See you next time.